Shalom, and welcome to Parasha Highlights and Insights. This is Rabbi Abraham Fisher. This week's parasha in Israel is uh, Korach, and so we will discuss Parashat uh, Korach uh, right now. Korach was a relative of Moshe uh, and uh, and Aaron, cousins, and <clears throat> Korach leads a rebellion uh, against the leadership of Moshe and Aharon. They have a number of complaints. Uh, the leaders of the rebellion are Korach, Datan and Aviram from the tribe of Ruvain, and On, also from the tribe of Ruvain, plus another 250 men uh, who seem to all come from Levi. Uh, their statement, their opening statement is, the entire congregation is holy. Why should you rule over God's congregation? Uh, Moshe uh, says that Hashem will choose and prove uh, who uh, is his choice uh, for, for leadership. And uh, Moshe says to prepare uh, fire pans and incense for this uh, purpose. Now Moshe gives the rebels an opportunity to, uh, to change their mind. Uh, he reprimands them. Uh, and he summons Datan and Aviram, but they refuse. And so Moshe prays uh, that uh, that the correct outcome uh, takes place. Hashem threatens to destroy everyone, uh, but Moshe argues that only those who have sinned should be punished. And so Hashem says that uh, everyone who is not part of Korah's rebellion should move away from Korah's camp because Korach and his uh, entire following uh, is going to be uh, punished. Datan and Aviram are defiant in their opposition to uh, Moshe. And then we have uh, the miraculous punishments. Moshe says that uh, the earth should open up and swallow uh, the rebels. And uh, that is exactly what happened. The earth opens up. Uh, swallows them uh, and then closes up which is even more miraculous because there have been cases of earthquakes that have resulted in uh, cracks in the earth but you don't have a case of uh, it then uh, closing up the Israelites uh, flee from uh, this site and fire consumes the 250 uh, men uh, who were there who were offering, uh, prepared to offer the incense so this is the rebellion and the punishment of the rebellion. The next part of the parasha deals with the aftermath of the rebellion, uh, how to deal with it. First of all, uh, the fire pans that have been used in this, uh, uh, in this test uh, have become holy, and therefore they must be uh, preserved in fact, it's from this that we learn a principle of Ma'alim B'Kodesh, that we always progress, move upward in holy things. And so the fire pans are to be made into an overlay for the altar, to actually become part of the altar. And that is a, uh, that is a step up. At one point that they were vessels attending on the altar, now they are actually to be part of the altar. And we have a reminder, just in general, that someone who's not a Kohen may not offer incense. Uh, and uh, a reminder, do not be like Korach. In other words, do not 
preserve a machloket, do not preserve dispute, because uh, the Jewish people need to be uh, unified. Uh, this isn't enough, because the people complain uh, as to what has happened. They say that you have killed the people of Hashem. They regard Korach and his uh, followers as being uh, holy people. And so the rest of the people of Israel, or many of them, uh, complain that uh, these holy people have uh, been killed. So uh, a plague begins, and Hashem threatens to totally destroy uh, the people. Uh, And that's when Moshe tells Aharon, the actual Kohen Gadol, to uh, offer incense, and this will atone and stop the plague. And so Aharon offers incense, he walks among the living and the dead, and that uh, stops the plague from continuing. But not before, 14,700 people have died in this plague. And then, uh, further to the aftermath of the uh, rebellion, Hashem says that each uh, prince, the head of each tribe, is to take his own staff, write his name on it, and Aaron's name will be written on the staff of the tribe of Levi, and then place all of the staffs before the Aaron, and Hashem says that I will show uh, whom I have chosen uh, by making the staff flower. Now, it's a, it's, it's a stick, it's a piece of wood. Uh, it's not rooted in the ground, so that will be the uh, miracle. Uh, the next morning they discover that Aaron's staff has uh, flowered and has produced uh, almonds. All of the other princes take their staffs uh, back uh, and uh, the people are told to leave Aaron's staff as a sign, leave it inside the Mishkan so that that people would always uh, remember (coughs) that uh, Hashem has chosen uh, Aharon, that is the family of Aharon as well, the Kohanim, they are to be the ones to do the uh, service. So it's Hashem's choice. Uh, uh, who is to be uh, who is to be chosen? The people uh, still are uh, concerned, and they say that we, uh, we we are dying. Will we ever stop dying? So the people are not completely set at ease uh, after this. After this incident, the uh, rest of the parasha continues the the theme of the importance, the responsibility uh, of the Kohanim and of the Levim. Uh, they are told that, they, that their first responsibility is to safeguard the sanctity of the sanctuary. Uh, they are there all the time, and therefore they have to make sure that it is. Uh, treated and preserved with the proper kedusha, and so, among other things, the levim have to prevent entry of people who do not belong there. They have to patrol the whole area of the mishkan, and the kohanim are entitled to uh, a number of gifts. Uh, and this is a, a function of their uh, priesthood of their kahuna. They get twenty-four gifts. This includes such things as uh, they eat uh, truma and uh, and uh, many other portions that they receive. Last week we learned about challah, which is a portion of the dough that the Kohanim receive. And all told, they receive 24 gifts um, 
it also includes uh, sacrificial portions, portions of the of the sacrifices, and as I said, truma. Um, as for the entire tribe of Levi, both those who are Kohanim and both those who are not, but the entire tribe of Levi had uh, very important responsibilities uh, in uh, serving the people uh, by bringing the uh, uh, the Mishkan, uh, keeping the Mishkan holy and uh, offering the sacrifices and uh, everything that's connected with that. Uh, and so the tribe of Levi, Levi does not get an inheritance in uh, the land. <coughs> Uh, and uh, finally they are reminded the Leviim are reminded that when they receive uh, ma'aser when they receive a tenth uh, of the produce uh, which people give uh, give to them uh, they have a responsibility to give what's called ma'aser minha ma'aser a tenth of the tenth um, and that is uh, that is going to be their uh, their portion uh, giving back to the uh, to the Kohen. So everybody has to acknowledge the central importance of the uh, Kohanim. So the theme of the of the parasha, basically from beginning to end, uh, is God chooses uh, who is uh, holy and what are the responsibilities, what are the rights and the duties. And while Korach may uh, come off sounding that he's interested in everybody, uh, the fact of the matter is uh, that uh, Hashem is the one who uh, who decides, and that has to be uh, that has to be observed and uh, and respected. Otherwise, you can't claim to be a, uh, a holy person, because uh, God determines what is holy. Now, in the very beginning of the parasha, when Korach. Um, When uh, Korach and his uh, other leaders uh, begin the rebellion, uh, it says that uh, it lists their names: Korach, lists his uh, genealogy, Datan, Aviram, On Ben Pelet, uh, and they rise against Moshe. Two hundred and fifty people. All of these are prominent people, um, and uh, as I told you before, they said, uh, "You've gone too far. Uh, everybody is holy." Uh, God is in the midst of everyone. Why do you uh, set yourself above uh, the rest of the congregation? Now Rashi says in his first comment on this parasha that uh, the background of Korach's rebellion is explained very well uh, in the Midrash Tanhuma. So Rashi just alludes to that, but he doesn't quote the Midrash Tanhuma. He's essentially saying uh, you can read it there for yourself. Midrash Tanhuma is a Midrash collection put together by Rabbi Tanahuma. And uh, what the Midrash Tanahuma says <coughs> is that the uh, when Korach seeks to uh, rebel against M- Moshe, uh, he does something that uh, is very reminiscent of the last part of the previous parasha. Uh, recall that the last uh, part of the previous parasha was the parasha of... Um, was the parasha of uh, Tzitzit. And uh, the Midrash says that Korach begins uh, his uh, challenge to Moshe's uh, authority uh, with reference to Tzitzit. Uh, what did he do? Uh, remember that Tzitzit is a mitzvah of placing fringes on the corners of the garments, and each uh, fringe is supposed to have a, 
a thread that has been dyed the color of techelet. And so uh, Korach takes all of his uh, rebels and he uh, dresses them all in uh, talitot, in, in uh, cloaks, let's say, that uh, are entirely made out of this color blue, this color techelet. And he asked, in the presence of everyone, he asks Moshe, do, do such uh, garments require a blue thread, a techelet thread, uh, in the corner in the uh, in the tzitzit? And Moshe said yes. Uh, Korach is trying to say that this uh, uh, this principle of, of halacha doesn't make any sense, uh, and therefore Moshe must have made it up himself. Couldn't could not possibly have come from God. His argument is, if all of the threads of a garment are insufficient to fulfill the mitzvah, so why is just adding one more thread to the corner fulfill the mitzvah? The simple answer to that question is, well, that's what God, uh, that's what God dictated. Uh, he proceeded, Korach proceeded, uh, to, uh, to challenge further in, with another kind of example. Uh, he uh, referenced a house that is entirely filled with Torah scrolls. Entirely filled with Torah scrolls. And asked whether such a house uh, requires a mezuzah on the doorpost. And Moshe said, yes, it does. So Korach once again said, the mezuzah that we place on our doorpost has only two parshiot, two sections of the Torah, the two sections of the Torah that uh, discuss the mitzvah of putting up a mezuzah. So, once again, he argues, if all of the parshiot of each Sefer Torah is insufficient to fulfill the mitzvah, so why should one small parchment that has two sections of the Torah uh, be sufficient to uh, to fulfill the mitzvah? And his conclusion, once again, is, Moshe, you've made this up uh, yourself. Um, when uh, the Torah says, Vayikach Korach, Korach took, it means uh, he separated himself. He began uh, discord. He began machloket. That that's what that verb, Vayikach, means. It's not to take something or someone else, but rather to betake oneself, to take oneself aside, to separate oneself, um, to stir up uh, conflict. That is what Korach uh, did. He stirs up conflict just for the sake of stirring up conflict, just for the sake of challenging the uh, authority of uh, Moshe. And of course, we know what is the uh, what is the result uh, of that. Uh, once again, uh, Korach presents himself as having kind of a common sense approach to uh, to what he thinks Torah should be, and that should be familiar to us because there are many people who apply their own thinking to the Torah and think that uh, they understand it, um, including understanding parts of the Torah that are uh, not uh, so easy to understand, um, and yet uh, criticize it on the, basis of, uh, on the basis of that. That's Korah's rebellion, and uh, it's very important to learn uh, how Korah rebels why he rebels, but also, more importantly, what are his motivations. And from this we should learn uh, about our loyalty to Hashem, to the Torah, uh, and to Hashem's decisions, uh, both in terms of 
what the mitzvot are, how the mitzvot work, as well as deciding who should be uh, sanctified for the various uh, tasks that uh, the Torah offers. I thank you very much for uh, joining me on this exploration of Parashat uh, Korach. This has been Rabbi Abraham Fisher for Parashat Highlights and Insights saying Shalom. Shalom.